Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Chronicle Weekly Report. I'm Matthew Jaronsik. And I'm Brendan Sampson. Here's what's in the news for Wednesday, March 24th. Quinnipiac recently released a new 10-year master plan requiring students to live on campus for their first three years. The new policy is intended to give students the full residential experience and maximize personal and professional development. However, it has been met with mixed reviews, with some students saying they're in favor of having guaranteed housing for three years, while others fear the financial impact. In response to the death of eight people due to the shooting on March 16th, Quinnipiac released a statement in solidarity with the Asian American Pacific Islander community, as well as hosting three community sessions. An hour after the response, the Instagram page, Bobcats for Justice, posted on behalf of an anonymous first-year student who alleges various instances of racism, verbal harassment, and assault in their dorm room. The response went viral as many current and former students flocked to the post and commented similar experiences they faced. Due to the alarming amount of incidents, the Student Government Association, Asian Students Alliance, and South Asian Society released a joint statement on this matter, with each seeking ways to make campus more inclusive and for the school to properly address these issues. With the university relaxing their COVID-19 restrictions, campus tours are now allowed to enter dorms. In both the Irma and Commons residence halls, there are now designated showrooms for prospective students and their families to explore. The tours are limited to nine participants, and each has to provide a health form and pass a temperature check. The rooms allow for four people to enter at a time for five minutes each. Despite Quinnipiac announcing that students will not be allowed to opt for hybrid or remote learning in the fall, Provost Deborah Leverwitz suggested that the idea of virtual learning may not go away completely. Copy editor Melina Khan spoke to various students and professors about their thoughts on the possibility of online learning post-pandemic. In Arts and Life, in this edition of Book of the Week, Arts and Life editor Emily DeSalvo writes about It Is Wood, It Is Stone by Gabriella Burnham. This story, narrated in second person, centers around a woman as she follows her husband to a teaching job in Brazil, leaving her life in Hartford, Connecticut. Throughout her Brazilian journey, she learns more about herself and her sexuality. Read more about the story on page 9. With Quinnipiac canceling spring break, many students are starting to suffer from burnout. Associate Arts and Life editor Ashley Pelletier writes about one of her most recent experiences of burnout from schoolwork and campus life, and how students can avoid falling into a similar hole. The past two semesters have been cut short, and students' meal points have rolled over to this semester. Because of this, students have had a surplus of points and no ways to spend them. The university has started to offer new items to buy, including board games, frisbees, and candy and snack boxes. Staff writer Neha Sinarine walks through all the unique ways to spend points and reasons to buy them. Two weeks after Marvel released the last episode of WandaVision, the media franchise keeps Marvel fans entertained with The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The show takes place several months after the events of Avengers Endgame, with the first of six episodes being released on Disney Plus last Friday. Staff writer Matthew Travia gives a rundown of what happened in the first episode and what fans should expect for the series in the future. This year marks Pokemon's 25th anniversary. Beginning in Japan in 1996 with Pocket Monsters Red and Pocket Monsters Green, the franchise has ventured into all sorts of different products throughout its existence. Staff writer David Matos outlines all the different video games, music, and merchandise that have been woven throughout the past two and a half decades. With lockdowns and stay-at-home orders at the beginning of the pandemic putting a pause on in-person dating, apps like Tinder and Bumble are seeing an all-time high in usage as people look to connect online. Contributing writer Jessica Winstanley writes that despite COVID-19 making it difficult to build relationships and meet personal sexual needs, these apps help maintain social distancing guidelines while promoting fulfilling connections. March is Women's History Month, and staff writer Lexi Pepe honors one woman at Quinnipiac that has made a major impact to the medical field. 
Pepe features the work of Dr. Marissa McKinley, an assistant teaching professor of English at QU, who recently won the 2020-2021 Conference on College Composition and Communication Emergency Award. She talks with McKinley about her work and what it's like to be a female scientist making a difference. In opinion, it might seem that the United States is behind in vaccinating its population, but compared to developing countries, the U.S. is far ahead. High-income countries like the U.S. account for more than half of the vaccines in the world while developing countries struggled to get their hands on any at all. Arts and Life editor Emily DeSalvo writes that the vaccine process should not be led by private, money-grabbing companies like Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer, but by the World Health Organization, with the intention of helping those who need it the most. In 2019, the number of anti-Semitic acts in the United States was the highest since the 1970s. This hate has also been shown in recent months in comments from professional athletes. As a member of the Jewish community and the Suffolk County Jewish Advisory Board, staff writer Noah Epstein talks about the importance of education in combating the hate against the Jewish population. In this edition of Bobcat Buzz, Quinnipiac Dining replaced Cafe Q's Bull Life Station with an Indian-style pop-up. Options at this station include curry chicken, chicken tikka, samosa, and other traditional Indian food. As someone of South Asian descent, copy editor Melina Khan writes how she enjoyed the new food and wishes Quinnipiac continues pop-ups like these in the future, as inclusivity and representation in food is often overlooked. This past week, the Catholic Church denounced gay marriage, saying that they, quote, cannot bless sin. As a lifelong follower of the Catholic Church, opinion editor Michael Sicoli finds it difficult to praise an institution so set in their ways. Sicoli gives his view on the subject and how despite his strong connection to God, he has drifted away from the Vatican, the church, and the Pope. In sports, the last time the Quinnipiac men's baseball team took to the diamond was a rare win amid a dreadful 3-11 season, where all 15 games were against out-of-conference teams. One year later, and with a schedule where they face only MAC opponents, the Bobcats are the favorites to win the title, led by their catcher Colton Bender, a finalist for the Buster Posey Award for the best catcher in college baseball. Staff writer Jordan Wolf previews what to expect from this new and approved Bobcats team and how their experience can give them the upper edge. Despite being heavy favorites coming into the game, Quinnipiac men's ice hockey had a poor showing at the ECAC championship game against St. Lawrence University. Even after losing, the Bobcats still received a bid to the NCAA tournament due to St. Lawrence's head coach contracting COVID-19 and forcing them to pull out of the tournament. In this edition of Pete's Pond, associate sports editor Peter Pekarski looks forward to the team's first round game against Minnesota State and how the loss on Saturday can act as a wake-up call for the team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Chronicle Weekly Report. I'm Matthew Jaroncic. And I'm Brendan Sampson. Be sure to pick up this week's paper or check out our website, quchronicle.com. We'll be back with more stories next Wednesday. <laughs>